All right, we are here. <laughs> Going through the series, we're here. And when we left, last left Daniel, he was at the mouth of the lion's den, right? Last week we ended up and we kind of got Daniel at the, at the edge of the lion's den. Well, this morning we have Daniel at the edge, at the mouth of the lion's den. The satraps and the, and the governors and the rulers, the, the leaders of, their, of this time, tricked Darius, King Darius, into passing a law that anyone who prayed to anyone other than him would be killed. They tricked him into doing this. Darius really liked Daniel. Didn't know he was doing this to Daniel. But they tricked him into passing this law. So he passed this law. And once it was passed, once he made it into a law, not even the king could change it. So Daniel entered another but if not moment. Right? Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel enters another but if not moment. Here's the thing. Daniel finds out about this law, but he doesn't try to hide his passion for God. The opposite, he goes and prays. So he doesn't try to hide his passion from God. He doesn't try to escape the consequences of his desire to follow God. Knows exactly what the consequences are going to be if he continues to pray. And he continues to pray. But like his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel didn't really know how this was all going to turn out. He wasn't absolutely sure that God was going to rescue him from the lion's den. So like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he had that attitude. God can save me, but even if he does not, I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. Daniel's greatest passion was to be in the presence of God. As Christians, we should be able to say the same thing. Daniel's greatest passion was to be in the presence of God. He was not afraid to die. So whatever happened, he would be content. If God rescued him from the lion's den, then he would praise God for his deliverance. But if not, but if not, then he would soon find himself in the presence of God for eternity, which was his greatest desire. So he wasn't afraid to die. And so whether God saved him or not, he was going to be in the presence of God. I remember two different people in my life who, there's a lot of people in my life who have passed on and but these two specific gentlemen who, who had cancer and uh, the cancer was overtaking them and I was just praying for them and praying for them. And both of them said this to me at different times in different ways. But they said, you know, Jeff, I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate that you're, you're, you're praying for my deliverance, for my healing, for my healing from this cancer. But they said to me, I'm not sure what healing is anymore. Is healing truly that I remain here on earth or is true healing that I that I get to go and be in the presence of God sooner than you? I'll beat you there is basically what they were saying. I get to be in the presence of God now for eternity. So what is true healing? Those are the kinds of, of stories and circumstances that really change your way of thinking. When you're watching people who are dying and they have so much courage 
they get so much closer to the Lord and they say, you know, I'm not sure what healing truly is anymore. Is healing staying here or is healing being the presence of God? And that's Daniel's attitude. Daniel was human. Okay, so I I say Daniel had, you know, he he was kind of a fearless kind of person and he had faith. But Daniel was still human. Okay, and so. I'm not saying that Daniel didn't have any anxiety about being thrown into a lion's den. That would be really in, inhuman, if you will. So I'm sure, I'm abs- I am sure that Daniel, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he felt that angst, right? It says he sweat blood. So it's not a sin to feel anxiety about something. So I'm sure Daniel felt anxiety, some anxiety, when he stood at the mouth of this den, he could, he could probably hear, right, the sounds of the lions down there anticipating their next meal. So he's standing. I want you to put yourself in his situation. He's standing at the edge, okay? He's not really afraid to die, but you can imagine some of the anxiety he was feeling and as the lions anticipated their, their, their next meal. Anxiety is not fear. And so, again, in this case, Daniel was not sinning, nor was he showing weakness, He's just being a human being. See, I, I, I would think that as they led him up to that, that point where they're going to put him in the lion's den. And Easter, I'm going to talk about this a little bit and what that, what that maybe looked like. Kind of that shoot that went down into the lion's den. But you can just imagine maybe how he was feeling. And that all along the way, Daniel never, he probably never stopped praying to his God. Hoping, hoping honestly, if you think about it again, not afraid to die. But hoping that he wouldn't have to experience what it felt like before he died to be ripped to pieces by wild animals. It doesn't matter if you're not afraid to die. You can go into situations without fear, realizing, man, this is really going to hurt. This is really, this is, I'd, I'd, I would rather not, not have to, to go through this. And when he, when he did slide down into, if it was through that tube, down into the darkness of the den, you can just close your eyes with me, if you will. Just close your eyes for a second and try to imagine, okay? He slides down to this den of lions. And when he hit the ground, he must have been only a few feet away, right? Only a few feet away from these lions. And you hit, and you, you hit the ground and, 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 and you're only a few feet away, but then, you're sitting there or you're standing there, probably sitting there, and they're not attacking. They're not attacking. And so you're going through this and you're there and you just you can imagine just sitting there waiting. And as you're waiting, you can you, you, you start to hear the sounds just anticipating the sounds. You can hear the sounds of the lions, the lions, the kind of sounds that lions make. Right. And you can imagine the smells because when he went down in there, he's sitting there anticipating what might happen. Not sure what's going to happen. And as he's sitting there waiting to see what might happen, all of a sudden you get those smells, maybe from the last meals the lions had eaten. It's kind of over there rotting. So you have the sounds and you, you have the smells of all the things going on. And but you realize at a. At a certain point that you're not being ripped apart, that you're safe. And as time goes on and you're there and you're in the line, maybe he stood up and just kind of was standing there and he realized and he gained more confidence that that maybe he's going to survive this ordeal. The lions are not attacking him. The lions are not going after him. The Bible tells us that God sent an angel to protect Daniel. 
So, so Daniel's down there. All of a sudden he realizes the lions aren't attacking him. The lions are kind of off to the side or whatever. And the angel is there. And can you, you can just imagine the conversation that maybe Daniel had with the angel. Right? It doesn't say it. I'm, I'm just kind of pro, using logic here a little bit and going through. Maybe the, I have no idea what they talked about. Or maybe Daniel didn't say anything to the angel and just rested, honestly, rested in the presence of this angel. Now, again, this is just Jeff, but I like to think that the lions just laid down with this amazing man, this incredible, godly, righteous man. The lion just kind of all just laid there. Maybe Daniel was able to come up close to him and maybe pet him and play with him a little bit while the angel kept watch, right? The angel was keeping watch over all this. Maybe at some point, this was there, he was there all night. Maybe at some point Daniel got tired and, and he, I was thinking through, maybe he laid, this, these, these lions, a male lion is massive, right? Maybe he just kind of laid back on the mane of one of these huge male lions and kind of got you know, snugged right in there and just fell asleep. I don't know exactly what happened during all that time, but I do know this was an, an amazing experience for Daniel. A night he would absolutely never forget. Daniel had a chance to experience the miraculous. He had a chance to experience something that most people never experienced because he was not afraid to die. Daniel was not afraid to die. And so he experienced, we're reading about this thousands of years later, we're still talking about and reading about the story of Daniel because Daniel was not afraid to die. It's often our fears that keep us from experiencing the miraculous it's, it's our fears. Our fears are going to talk to that person at work. You want to share your faith with them. You want to talk to them or at school or, you know, your neighbor or something. It's often fear that keeps us from experiencing the miraculous. Seeing someone come to Christ is miraculous. And we don't often experience it because we're afraid of what they might think or what they might say or how they might feel or whatever else. See, in this life, we need to keep trying. We need to keep moving forward. And regardless of the obstacles, we need to keep trying. I was thinking about this. I would rather die with unfulfilled dreams. I'd rather die. I'd rather go out of this life with unfulfilled dreams that I have in my mind rather than my last thought being one of regret. Can you imagine just laying on your deathbed and thinking, woulda, shoulda, coulda? I'd rather go out thinking, oh, I wish I had more time to do that. I had this dream. I know I'm going to die with unfulfilled dreams. That's okay. Right? We're all going to die. Hopefully we'll all die with unfulfilled dreams. But what we don't want to do, what Daniel is challenging us not to do, is die with regret. That our last thoughts would be that of regret. Our fear often paralyzes us in crisis situations and keeps us from really experiencing so much. Daniel discovered something long ago in his life when he was a teenager. He discovered that there are things in this life worth dying for. There are things in this life that are worth dying for. And that's what gave him the strength. That's what gave him the conviction to keep on praying when everything was on the line. When his life was on the line, Daniel kept praying. 
Because Daniel, years before, realized something. There are things in this life that are worth dying for. My relationship with God is the most important thing in my life, and it is worth dying for. So he, he had no fear of dying. And this, this is one of the things about having no fear of dying. When you have no fear of dying, and you'll see, you see this throughout his life in, this, in the book of Daniel, he had no fear of dying, so this world had no grip on his life or the decisions that he would make. Think about that. This world, the world in which we live, for Daniel, it had no grip on Daniel's life. And it had no grip on the decisions that Daniel was going to make. He wasn't afraid of what people think. He wasn't afraid of everyone thought one thing and God thought something different. Daniel stuck with God. He would go with what God was thinking, not what everybody else was thinking. This world had no grip and no influence on his decisions. So Daniel may have slept really well that night. I'm sure he did. Or maybe he was up. I mean, I'd be so excited. Maybe you stay up all night and, you know, hanging out with the lions or the angel. I don't know. He maybe fell asleep. But he, he, he slept well or he rested well. The king Darius, on the other hand, King Darius did not. And in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 18, it says, then the, then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. Couldn't sleep. So he was up all night pacing, didn't want, to, didn't want any entertainment, didn't want anybody bothering him. He just couldn't. He was so concerned about Daniel and being thrown to the lions and no one survives that. The dying, you get thrown in, they overtake you, they eat you, and, they, and that's the end of it. So in the morning, first thing in the morning, Darius runs to the lion's den, hoping beyond hope that somehow Daniel would have survived the night. Daniel... The story of Daniel teaches us a, a little little side note here that you'd rather you should rather be in the lions den with God than be living in the palace without God. Daniel's in the lions den now. You can picture any way you want to. I picture him kind of laying back on the mane and kind of like relaxing and checking out the angel, an angel, holy macro, right? I'd rather be with God in the lion's den than be Darius without God, if you will, in the palace. Wringing your hands and worrying and fretting, anxiety and fear, right? And all this, I mean, really, that the worry, the worry, the worry, the concern consuming you. At a certain point, once Daniel hit the ground and realized after a while he wasn't going to get eaten, I don't, the anxiety gone, stress was gone, fear was gone, all those things were gone. The king, on the other hand, is walking around wringing his hands. I'd rather be with God in a lion's den than in my life than without God living in the palace. Now, you might be thinking, well, why didn't God just save Daniel before he was thrown into the lion's den? I don't understand. Why doesn't God just stop this? And Why doesn't God just stop that? Why did he even allow him? He should have saved him before. Why did he allow him to do that? Why not just save him beforehand? Well, because, listen, here's the thing. We live in a fallen world. Okay, and nothing short of the return of Jesus Christ, his second coming, is going to change that. Nothing's going to change that. We're going to talk about that um, actually next weekend and, and even on Easter. But we live in a fallen world and nothing, nothing but the return of Jesus Christ is going to change that. And here's the thing. If that is the case, then we need to stop asking for a life without difficulty and start seeking a life with God. 
This is, this, we are, this is not our home. This world is not our home. God is not promising us a rose garden here. You, if, you, if you're over five years old, you realize that. We live in a fallen world. And if that's the case, we need to stop with this idea that we're going to pray and, and just God's going to deliver us from any difficulty or challenges in life and start seeking a life with God. We want, it, we, want it to, we want to live in the palace, but we don't need to live in the palace. We can be in the lion's den. We can be in the fiery furnace. We can be in all these situations as long as God is with us. So instead of seeking a life without difficulty, we need to start seeking a life with God. With God is every part of our lives, where no matter where we go. God didn't stop him being from being thrown into the lion's den. But listen to this. He didn't stop him from going down into the lion's den, but God went with him. God was with, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were in the fiery furnace and said, wait, didn't we, didn't we throw three guys in there? There's four. There's four in there. There's four of them walking around there. God went with them. God went with Daniel into the lion's den. So whether we're in the lion's den or just going through our lives at work or school, we need to be with God no matter what we're doing. We need to be with God all the time. God did save Daniel from the lions. But listen, even if he did not, even if he did not, Daniel was still saved. Daniel was still saved saved. See, now this is Jeff, all right? And you guys know me pretty well by now, but this is Jeff. But I like to think that Daniel wasn't in the lion's den. It was Daniel's den and the lions were just visiting. Okay. Once Daniel got down there, once he was in there, it was no longer Daniel and the lion's den, the heading in your Bible. It was Daniel's den and the lions were just visiting. If you play a sport, when you were growing up, if you're in a sport now, when you're in a sport and you're on your home turf, right? When you have, when you're on your, your home field, your home court, if you will, what do you say when the other team comes in? This is my house. This is my house. Right. This is my this is my house. I don't think the lions were confused whose whose turf they were on. When Daniel got down there and God was with him, this became home field advantage. See, the way the Bible describes angels. OK, the way the Bible des- I'm just again, I'm using logic here. OK, I'm just using logic. The way the Bible describes angels, the, the lions were probably terrified. So Daniel gets down there and no, no one's attacking him, probably because the lions are up against the wall to start. Absolutely. You know, you think of lions, oh, they rip things to pieces. You ever seen a lion confronted by a bull elephant? You ever seen a lion confronted by a herd of, of buffaloes, of those wild buffaloes? They jump in the trees, they're hanging on for dear life. They're, you know, they're up and they're, they're hiding. They run for their lives. Can you imagine a lion in the presence of an angel? And you think, well, angels, if you have in your mind right now that angels are, are, are just cute little kids with wings. You know what I'm saying? You know how they throw them in pictures like they're little, like, you know what I'm saying? They're like little things with wings. You're sorely mistaken. Homework assignment. Go home and look how many times in the Bible when an angel appears, what that angel says. You know what he says? Fear not. And the angel appeared and said, fear not. 
And the angel appeared and he said, fear not. And the angel appeared and said, fear not. Look up what the, what angels look like. Some of the angels look like in the Bible. All right. So you get this idea. It's this like cute little kid with, with wings. You're making a mistake. When the angel showed up, okay, when the angel was there, the lions were, again, here, kitty, kitty, right? They're just hiding. They're not, growl, growl. The angel shows up and it's like, whoa, whimper, whimper, you know, off to the side. So I would, I would think that when Daniel got down there, they were on Daniel's turf, if you will. So the Bible says that God's angel shut the mouths of the lions this is not the meal you're looking for, right? These aren't the droids you're looking for, right? The lion's like, he's coming down. And he's like, all of a sudden he's like, this is not the man you're going to eat. And they're like, okay, <laughs> don't get, and I don't know if lions can, if angels can speak lion, but the lion got the, the idea that this is not the person we're going to eat with this angel standing right here. So Daniel was safe. We need to have that kind of attitude, right? Seriously, brave. You make me brave. Jen doesn't pick these songs willy-nilly. She does it on purpose. You make me brave. That's, that's the attitude that we need to have. This world may not be our home, like I said before, but here's the deal, okay? When God is with me, I always have home field advantage. I always have home field advantage. I said this before, but I'm going to say it again. You talk about the armor of God. When a Christian has the armor of God on and they're moving forward, there's nothing that can stop them. The, if, you, if you think about the armor of God, the only place a Christian is vulnerable with the armor of God is on his back. So if you don't cower and turn your back and you keep moving forward... Nothing can stand in your way. Why? Because you're walking with God. When you're with God, you always have home field advantage. We act somehow like we're like, like uh, the, 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 the visiting team and, oh, we're the underdogs and all that kind of thing. When I'm walking with God, when I go into the lion's den with God, when I go into the fire with God, I am the one who has home field advantage. God is in control. This whole book is about the sovereignty of God and God being in control. We need to have that kind of attitude. Okay, so the end of the story comes quickly, comes very quickly. First, the enemies, okay, who set Daniel up, who plotted against him, are thrown into the lion's den along with their families in verse 24. They're thrown in. And then in verses 26 and 27, Daniel praises God. I mean, sorry, Darius praises God publicly. And he says this in chapter 6, verses 26 and 27. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And when I read that, again, I, I was thinking of Nebuchadnezzar, right? King, when I, King Nebuchadnezzar. Praising God after he had seen God's mighty power work when he had him eating and when he when uh, when God basically had him eating like a wild animal. A couple different times in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, once he experiences the power of God in his life, he praises God. He praises God. And I, I was thinking and, and just just processing in my mind. 
who knows if we're going to see Darius. Maybe Darius became a believer. The way he's talking, he certainly did. And maybe we'll see Darius and Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. We don't, we don't know until we actually get there. But I, but I'm, I think we may see Darius and Nebuchadnezzar. Why would, why would we not see them? God loves Darius and Nebuchadnezzar as much as he loves Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God wishes that none would perish, but all come to repentance. So if that's the God that we serve, why would Darius and Nebuchadnezzar, after experiencing what they experienced, after seeing the example of Daniel, not be believers? So just as Daniel took God with him into the lion's den, we need to take God wherever we go. Just like Daniel took God with him into the lion's den, you and I, okay, all of us need to take God wherever we go. But how do we do that? We do that by remembering the lessons that we've learned from chapters one through six. And one of the lessons that we've learned in, in chap, we learned in chapter one and verse eight, it says that Daniel, okay, Daniel purposed in his heart. Remember the food dilemma that he was in? They were going to feed him certain kinds of food that he couldn't eat because of God's law. And it says Daniel purposed in his heart in chapter one and verse eight. And that set the foundation for everything else. Daniel was not going to do anything that went against what God would have him to do. So we had to learn those lessons. We need, we, you and I need to purpose in our hearts. See, Daniel decided as a teenager that God was the most important thing, person in his life. That, that God was all that mattered. God was the ultimate. God is, is what truly mattered. And that laid the foundation for every other decision the man made his entire life because now he's about 85 years old. He made that decision in chapter 1. He purposed in his heart in chapter 1 when he was a teenager. Now he's in his 80s and he's still making the same decisions because why? He purposed in his heart. God was the most important thing in his life regardless of anything. So no matter what, he was only going to do what God had called him to do. Second, we need to make sure that we stand strong in the face of opposition. We are going to face opposition. Daniel stood strong all of his life in the face of incredible pressure and he never blinked. You don't read about, well, he was really struggling with this decision. He never blinked. Daniel is not the guy that you want to get into a competition with when it comes to playing chicken. If Daniel was driving a car and you're going at each other, don't play chicken with Daniel. Daniel purposed in his heart from the very beginning that if he goes, he'll go crashing right into you. But he's not turning to the right or to the left. He's staying on the path that God has for him. He is the last person in the world that you want to play or engage in a game of chicken. See, there will always be those who oppose the truth. Always. And that's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 to carry your cross daily. To pick up and carry your cross daily. So we need a purpose in our hearts, okay? Purpose in our hearts. And then we need to pick up our crosses daily because you're going to be in a battle, a spiritual battle daily. So Jesus says, decide how you're going to live your life and then be ready for battle on everyday basis. You need, you, when you stand for God and you're just, you just refuse to be moved, you become an influencer. You know, see, in our culture, and it kind of irks me a little bit, 
in our culture, in our Christian culture, I read so much about people want to be influencers and people want to be thought leaders and people want to be relevant and people want to be, they want a platform. So I want a platform. I want to be an influencer and I want to be a thought leader and I want to be relevant and I want to be all of these things. And if you think about it, you think about Daniel, Daniel was those things. But why was Daniel all of those things? Daniel was an influencer and a thought leader, okay, because his leader influenced his thoughts. Daniel was an influencer and a thought leader because his leader influenced Daniel's thoughts. Daniel had, listen, Daniel had influence because he couldn't be influenced. He couldn't be influenced. Daniel knew what the word of God, Daniel knew what God wanted for his life. And Daniel was not going to be influenced. He was relevant because he was obedient. That's what mattered to Daniel. Daniel influenced Darius and Daniel influenced all the kings before him because Daniel would not compromise. He would not compromise to gain their favor. The only favor Daniel cared about was God's favor. How does God feel what, about what I'm doing? How does God see me? He wasn't interested in gaining their favor like everyone else, all the other leaders. He was only interested in gaining God's favor and being used by God. I've said this before, and I'm going to keep saying it because it's so important. And I say this, I, I'm not saying this, but hear me out. God doesn't need me. God loves me. God can choose to use me if I'm open to being used. But the God of heaven, this awesome, righteous, sovereign God of all creation doesn't need, need me. He loves me. He wants me to be a part of his big story if I'm willing to submit myself and be obedient to him. But God doesn't need me. Daniel understood that. Daniel understood that God didn't need him. God was willing to use him. And Daniel wanted to be used by God. Daniel understood and learned something that we all that we all need to learn. If we truly if we truly are going to live with God, then we need to be consumed by God. And that's our next series called Consume. What does it mean to be consumed by God in every area of our lives? When God, when, when, when God consumes us through our actions, right? And our thoughts, our, our lives begin, our lives begin to truly take focus. Like people are, they're running around like, like, Whatever on the ground, like little bugs, little ants are running around trying to find out my purpose. What's my purpose? What's this? What's that? And when we when we 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 stop asking, honestly, I thought about this. We'll stop asking. We'll stop asking and being consumed about our purpose and how God can use us when we when when we truly come into God's presence, because we realize those answers about what's my purpose in life? What is the meaning of life? What is the perfect purpose of life? How's God going to use me? Those answers are found in a, a life focused on seeking God's presence. Once I seek God's presence, once I am in God's presence, once I am living with God. Those questions are answered. They get answered in a life that seeks the presence of God. And it's that kind of life that changes other people and draws them into a relationship with God. It is that kind of life 
Darius watched Daniel. Darius watched how Daniel lived his life, how he what, what he said, how he lived. Darius was watching Daniel, the satraps, OK, and the governors and the other leaders. They missed it. Honestly, they they completely they 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 missed this completely they missed the point. Daniel was not looking. He was not. He wasn't seeking a platform. Daniel was seeking righteousness. There's a difference. And the, and the leader, our leaders, if you will, need to realize that in the Christian world as well. Daniel wasn't seeking a platform. He was seeking righteousness. He was seeking the presence of God. That's what he was seeking. And the satraps and these governors and these leaders, they missed all of that. Darius didn't miss it. They missed it. And they paid because they, because they were completely wrong. They were jealous of him for all the wrong reasons. And they paid a heavy price. We need to realize that that there will always, you and all of us need to realize that there are always going to be satraps. There are always going to be people in our lives that want to bring us down. They may be the, sometimes the closest people to you, and that's sad. But there are people in our lives that want to bring us down, that want to discourage us, that want to rob us of our joy. But then there are people like Darius, honestly, that are watching us and how we're living our lives. And honestly, they're hoping that what we're saying is true. We're, we're speaking about this God. And if you give it over to just give it over to God and live your life for the Lord and don't worry and don't be fearful because God's with you. They're hearing us say that. And then they're watching how we live our lives and they're desperately hoping that what we're saying is true. Because they're hurting and they may not say it, but they're looking at you and they may tease you sometimes or whatever else. But so many people, you're going to have the you're going to have the satraps and the governors and the leaders, and those other leaders. They're out there, too. But there are also a lot of Darius's out there who are looking at your life and just hoping that what you're saying is true, that they can hold on to that. I, I was recently speaking to the Lord in prayer about an area of ministry where, you know, what can we do to, um, to be more effective, Lord? What can, I, what can I do to be more effective? More effective. How can I be more effective in this area of ministry? And God reminded me of something that he reminds me of often. And I'm like, hello, McFly. I know. We're all that way sometimes. But he kept on, he reminded me once again, listen, you are the ministry. You are the ministry. What, what he means is, I'm just not, it's not, my, 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 my ministry is not Sunday mornings, not just Sunday morning. It's not just when I'm here on campus working. I am the ministry. What that means is for me and for you, all of us, that means we take Christ wherever we go. Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit has indwelled us. So wherever I go, whether I'm on this campus or anywhere else in the supermarket, doesn't matter. I am, I, I. I carry Christ with me. I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Christ lives in me. That means I take him wherever I go. That means for all of you, if you go home and you're spending time at home, then you minister at home. If you go to work tomorrow, wherever you go to work, you are a marketplace minister. You're in the marketplace and you're ministering to other people. 
Whether if you're in school or you're going back to college or you're in high school, then you are a campus minister. You are ministering on your campus to other people because you take Christ wherever you go. That's what it means to be consumed by God. That's what it means to be truly consumed by God. So as we close, we need to keep in mind that we're all going to face hardships. We're all going to face difficulties. But if God could rescue Daniel from the lion's den, if he could deliver Daniel, listen, I know you're going through some hard times right now. I know you're struggling. You're trying to overcome certain things, all the difficulties and challenges. But if God could deliver Daniel from the lion's den, then he can deliver us. This story is not about Daniel, okay? And if we think so, we're missing the boat. The story is not about Daniel. It's not about Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego. The story is about the sovereignty of God in our lives, that our God can deliver us from whatever the world throws at us. It's about a God who can rescue us from life's fires. It's about a God who can rescue us from the lions that confront us. It's about a God who can deliver us from those who choose to harm us, whether it's in the past or it's in the present. God can deliver us from what has been done to us or is being done to us. It's about a God who reveals truth and restores hope. God can restore the hope that has been ripped away from you. It's about a God who always delivers, but he delivers not the way you expect. This is what this is. This is part of what Daniel teaches us. Our God does not always deliver the way we expect. God will deliver us, but he will deliver us in his own way on his own terms. I want you to listen to me for a second because you're you. I know you will agree with this if you just listen to what I'm trying to what I'm trying to express. He will deliver in his own way on his own terms. And I, for one, am thankful for that because my greatest experiences have come from my greatest losses. I have been shaped more by his no's when I pray than by his yeses. Have you? I have been shaped more by God's no than his yeses. Some of my greatest joy and my greatest successes have come from closed doors, not open ones. God moves in our lives and God sees God sees things that Jeff Greer is not capable of seeing. And he puts me on paths that I never even knew existed. How can I pray for a path that I don't even know is there? I don't even know is open to me. But God sees what I'm not capable of seeing. And throughout my life, he's put me on paths that I didn't even know existed. I didn't even know they were there. I've come to realize, I have honestly come to realize that I often lose when I thought I had won and win when I thought I had lost. You know why? Because our God, our God answers and delivers in his own way on his own terms. So here's the thing as I close off. You pray. You pray that prayer. 
You ask God to answer that prayer the way you want him to answer that prayer. There's nothing wrong with you You're asking God do that. I want you to do this specific thing for me. You pray and ask God to answer your prayer the way you want him to answer. And if he does awesome, he most of the time, many of times he does answer our prayers just the way we ask for it. But if not, you can rest in the truth that God never makes mistakes, never makes mistakes. And as King Nebuchadnezzar learned the hard way in chapter four, everything he does is right. That's what Nebuchadnezzar said after he spent seven years eating like an animal in the grass. He woke up and basically said, everything he does is right. So here's how I want to close us out this morning. I want you to be able to reflect on that. We're going to take communion. And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians starting in chapter 11. I want you to take this time of communion, reflect on what we've been talking about here. I'm going to first I'm going to read, then I'm going to pray after I'm finished praying. If you've never been a part of our congregations, we take communion. Not a, not a difficult thing. If you know the Lord, you're welcome to take it with us. Well, I will read, then I will pray. After I'm done praying, you don't have to wait for anybody else. You can just get up in your seat, go to the back, and there's the bread and the cup. Take that. You can sit back down here. You can come up in the front and kneel down and pray, whatever you'd like, okay? You don't have to wait for anybody else to take of the bread and take of the cup. Okay, Jen will be, Jen will be playing and singing, and then I will close us out in prayer. So let's read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together with you. And God, we ask that you would do something miraculous in each of our hearts this morning. And if we were open, if we were open to you, Lord God, you have. You've, you've, start, you've planted a seed in our lives that will only grow. We've touched on subjects that some people never even, never even thought about. But now, Lord, your Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts and our minds. Now that seed will grow and they'll learn and understand what it means to be in your presence and how you can transform their lives. And Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is the one who transforms our lives. Thank you for sending Jesus into this world to die on a cross for our sins. Thank you that that he gave his body for us, that we could be in a relationship with you. That we can enter into relationship with you. We thank you for the bread that represents that body which was given for us. That we can be transformed. We thank you for the cup which represents your blood which was shed for us and covers us over. Covers over all of our sin if we just come into a relationship with you and humble ourselves. That blood transforms us and brings us into a personal relationship with the living God. We can now enter into the Holy of Holies. We can now enter into the very presence of the Father and ask Him, talk to Him like we're talking to a dad because of what Jesus Christ has done and we're thankful for that. So Father, we ask that You would just allow us to offer up our bodies this morning as living sacrifices. Because everything you do is right. 
You don't make mistakes. Help us to submit to your will like Daniel did. And know that you're in complete control, Lord God. No matter what people, no matter what this fallen world throws at us, no matter what people in this world throw at us, you walk with us every step of the way. In the fire and in the den, you're there with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we are just so grateful that we can be here in your presence. And Father, we pray that as we take communion, that we would reflect on who you are. And that we would submit ourselves, Lord God, to be obedient to you. And Lord God, more than just obedience, that we would desire to be in your presence. Thank you for the example that Daniel has set for each one of us. And thank you for the example that Jesus Christ has set for each one of us as he walked this earth in obedience to you and has given us the strength of his resurrection to go into a world that sometimes can be hostile. Let us be bold. Let us be brave. Let us live for you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.